Okay, if you would, please turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. I'll be reading Luke chapter 8, verses 16 through 21. Luke 8, 16 through 21. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to Him, but they could not reach Him because of the crowd. And He was told, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But He answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the Word of God and do it. Blessed is the reading of God's holy word. And Holy Father, my prayer is the mercy of the fulfillment of this passage in the hearts of every one of us here. That we have ears to hear the Word of God. And thus, give me lips to unfold this passage accurately to the glory of Your name and the salvation of our souls. Amen. This passage is all about hearing. It is about hearing so that we obey the Word. And so the question that mercifully hangs over us this morning in this text is, do you Hear the Word of God. The Word of God is clear on all sorts of real life issues that we face. But many times our minds are made up. We do not want to hear the clarity of what God says about this or that. Because it confronts our life choices. The Word of God is clear. Abandon your trust in yourself. The Word of God is Clear. Abandon 
the lie that God will not judge sinners apart from Christ one day. It's clear. Embrace the Lord Jesus Christ because He is the only salvation for mankind. The Word of God is clear. Do not have sexual relations with anybody outside of the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman. The Word is clear. Do not divorce. Forgive your enemies. We can go on. See, God in Holy Scripture can and does speak clearly. But if we don't have the kind of ear that Jesus is referring to, to hear what He says, then we will be in a very bad place. In our text, look at it. Look at verse 18. This is the main point of this entire section going back to last week. Jesus warns. And when the Savior speaks and warns, that is grace. Take care. Then... How you hear. You gotta get it. He understands people and his disciples right now that he's speaking to in front of him have ears on their head that hear. So they're not, oh, cool, we're hearing him speak, so we're good. Or you're hearing a preacher preach this morning, so you're good. Or you're reading the Bible, so you're good. He, no, 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 no. That part's assumed. His command is. Now, while hearing, be careful. Take precaution. How you are hearing the Word. Okay. See, I think this is why now Luke inserts the story about Jesus' family, his mom and his brothers coming and they want to speak. Why? Because now here is this, he's done with what he started last week to his disciples, okay? And we're going to get there. But now he just gives this little, drop it in there, an illustration of everything Jesus has been talking about. Because the main point from last week's sermon, going all the way back to verse 4, and this week's sermon, it's all one piece, is verse 8 take care how you hear and then hey Jesus your mom and your brothers they want to see you my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it okay so let's look at it the, the larger context of what we're seeing with the lampstand this morning, he's saying the larger context 
of this whole passage is about hearing. It is those who hear the gospel of Jesus, the Word of God, and bear fruit. They're saved by it. And it's about hearing. Those who hear the same thing, but don't really hear. And they perish. That's what we saw last week, where Jesus unfolds the the three soils who hear the Word of God. And in all three cases, it has effects, Christianity has effects, but it doesn't for them have eternal ramifications for their good. It doesn't have saving effect. They don't have saving faith. And then the fourth soil, He says, there's the one that bears fruit, that hears with the ears to hear and bears fruit a hundredfold. Okay, get the flow. He hasn't stopped talking. He's still now... Luke doesn't interrupt here. He's still talking to his disciples when he gets to the fourth soil and he continues on in verse 16 to 18. And the conclusion is, therefore, if if you're hearing me, disciples, therefore, take care how you hear. This whole exhortation about hearing goes back to verse 8. So let's just just hear it. Just go back there. Jesus, He's speaking to thousands in the crowd. And He gives the parable of the sower without the interpretation at this point. And then, the end of verse 8, Luke says, And as He said these things, Jesus called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And that means that not everyone has spiritual ears to hear. Or the way he goes to unfold it, not everyone is good soil where the seed of the Word of God goes down and produces fruit. Okay, got that? Now, slow way down. Look at your Bible. Verse 9. And when His disciples now, He's moved away from the crowd, when His disciples asked Him what this parable meant, He said, to you, disciples, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables. So that seeing they may not see. And hearing they may not understand. Now, that is stunning. Because what Jesus is saying is that God's Word, remember that's the seed, it's His preaching, it's the Word of God, it's the Scripture. He's saying, God's Word never fails. It always accomplishes what it's sent for. To some, His disciples, with the Word of God, to you, it has been given to get it, to be 
saved. To, to know the mysteries of the kingdom. In the same word. To others, everything to them is in parables. So that seeing they may see. Hearing. I mean, not see. And hearing, they may not hear or understand. And that means Jesus is preaching, and particularly in the answer to this question, in His parables, to unfold the light of the truth. His preaching, and we're going to see, all preaching of the gospel has a twofold purpose. One is to conceal and to harden people's And the other is to reveal the light and to save and soften people's hearts. See, Jesus' words here when He says, quote, so that seeing they won't see, hearing they won't understand. Those words mean Jesus was absorbed in Isaiah 6. I want you to turn there. If you have a Bible, turn to the prophet Isaiah. 700 years before Christ. Many of you are familiar with the first portion of Isaiah 6. It's one of the most glorious passages in all the Bible. You remember how it begins here in verse 1. In the year of King Uzziah, in the year that King Uzziah died. Now here's Isaiah speaking. He's a prophet. I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and the train of His robe filled the temple. So God brings him up and gives Isaiah this vision. And he sees these massive creatures, angelic beings. They're in the throne room of God. And he goes on, and those massive angelic beings were saying, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole Earth is filled with His glory. And Isaiah goes on. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of Him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I, Isaiah, said, Woe is me. That means... Very bad for me, a sinner. Because I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And He's frightened. Appropriately out of his mind. Verse 6. And then, 
One of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. And your sin atoned for glorious words. Read on. Then the next verse continues. Isaiah says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And then Isaiah says, Here I am. Send me. And then that is followed by one of the strangest job descriptions ever given. And God says to him, Isaiah, I'm going to send you to preach my word. And my purpose is judgment. My purpose of your preaching is the hardening of my people's hearts. See, now, in the context, what's happening now 700 years later, and when we get to Isaiah 6, what is going on is that the persistent and ongoing rebellion of God's people had finally run its course. And... Judgment, exile, is coming. And so Isaiah is told to charge the people. Here's his charge. This is, you're going to preach my word. You're going to preach repent. You're going to preach or judgment's coming. And you're going to go on and on. But here's the thing. Say these words. Keep preaching these words to the people. Do not understand. And in that way, Isaiah... Your preaching will make their hearts hard. In other words, look at it. Isaiah chapter 6, just next verse. Pick up with verse 9. Now God says, okay, I'll send you Isaiah. Go and say to this people, quote, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. And then Isaiah speaks some more to Isaiah. I mean, God speaks more to Isaiah. Isaiah, make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and and be healed. And then Isaiah goes, Then I said, Okay, how long, O Lord? And he said, Until cities lie waste without inhabitant, and houses without people, and the land is a desolate waste, and the Lord removes people far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. 
Isaiah, God says, preach the Word. And the Word, Isaiah, in your ministry, will no longer be effective to save the people. It will only be effective to make their hearts hard, their ears dull, and their eyes blinded to the truth. And so Isaiah preached. He preached the truth. And they rejected it. And so he preached it again. And they rejected it. And he preached it again. And again, and as he preached, it increased the hardness of Israel's hearts. Okay. That's the passage that Jesus is reading on the frontal lobes of his mind when he's speaking to the disciples. That's what he's referring to when we read now back at Luke. Chapter 8, when he says, But for others, they are in parables. Quote, this is Isaiah 6. So that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now, that's Luke's summary of what Jesus said. We know Matthew, I want you to turn for a moment. Matthew lets us know Jesus quoted a much more extensive portion of Isaiah 6 that we just read in Matthew Chapter 13. I pick up in verse 13. This is the parallel passage of what's happening. Same thing, okay? Jesus is speaking to the disciples. This is why I, Jesus, speak to them in parables. Because seeing, they do not see. And hearing, they do not hear. Nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. That says, quote, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and their ear, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal. This teaches us a very sober lesson about preaching. Even when the preaching of the Word of God is not softening, saving, sanctifying persons, that does not mean the Word is necessarily ineffective. Ominous. No wonder God says there's no one hidden from His, the Word of God's, eyes. See, the preaching of the Word of God may be doing God's work of judgment like Isaiah 6. Or like it was also doing in Jesus' preaching ministry. It may be 
hardening people's hearts making their ears duller and duller so to the point where they don't want to hear the Word of God anymore. And they'll flee from it. See, yes, there is an end time culminating judgment to come all over Scripture. And there are tastes of God's judgment of sin and of sinners. Throughout history, Romans 1 makes that clear. The, the, the people think, <laughs> you know, we're walking through life and I'm making my own decisions and look at me, I'm going to live this lifestyle. I don't care what God says. And they think they're spurning God. And God says, the reason you're doing that is because of my judgment upon you. The, the, the reason is because I have given you up to those sinful passions. I mean, this is God's perspective. And so there are taste of His judgments within human history. Death is one of them. And now here's the thing. Even though we believers are experiencing the effects of sin, that means God's judgment against it, like death, that's coming. Oh, for us, the gospel is none of that to us personally is God's ultimate judgment. But now He's taking that judgment, if you're in Christ, and working even those painful ramifications of sin for your eternal good and glory forever and ever. But for others, oh, see, this means part of that judgment that shows itself in history is also the effect of the Word of God hardening people's hearts. That's what verse 18 is about. When now He says, you got that truth? Jesus says to His disciples, and they got that? Therefore, The Word of God week after week, Sunday after Sunday, lightly. If the Word is not softening, it might be hardening. Hate that idea. And all 11 of Jesus' apostles here that He's talking to, are the kind of people who take the warning seriously. The twelfth one doesn't and shows that he never had ears to hear. See, this effect, now I want to just go to one more text. Later on down the road, the Holy Spirit says now, 30 years after the cross of Christ and His resurrection, says through the Apostle Paul, this from 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 14 to 15. Here's Paul's perspective on this. God, hear the words, through us, me, Paul, my missionary band, maybe Titus is with him, 
Barnabas, Timothy, and numbers of others. In other words, God through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. Okay, you got to get it. So, what are you talking about, Paul? He's talking about the content and the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what he's preaching. So, what he's saying is, God is spreading through knowledge. That means, he's preaching the news of Christ and the gospel of salvation. That knowledge is, to God, through us, like an incense, a fragrance. God's, God knows what he's doing with his word. This is his point here. Okay. God, through us, spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. Explain, Paul. For, in other words, here's my explanation. We, we, preachers of the gospel, are the aroma of Christ to God the Father. Among those who are being saved by it. Okay, stop. Paul's got this picture. God, the Father, sends His eternal Son. He dies on the cross for sin. He's resurrected and He's sitting on the throne forever as the God-man. Okay, now that message of the Gospel, that's what Gospel means, the good news of Christ. It goes out. And Paul says, with that message, getting the gospel right and preaching it, it is as if this whole activity, got to get it, not just Paul, not just Paul's band, not just preachers of the gospel, but the hearers of the gospel, what's happening there is like an incense going up to God the Father. Oh, it's love. It's the incense of Christ to God the Father. See, that's what he just said so far. Among those who are being saved by it. Well, then, let me read on. Let me read that all over again and then continue. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To, to the one, we are the fragrance from death to death in the rejection of Christ. To the other, the aroma of life to life. Okay. Jesus brings in Isaiah 6. He says, don't be deceived. This is what's happening in gospel ministry, my disciples. Two things are always happening and God knows what He's doing. And so, Jesus then unfolds how the judgment and the hardening of heart happens, which we saw last week. Right? The parable of the sower. He shows how the hardening's happening and the response of those kinds of hearts in the three soils, the first three. Then, we see this week, he gives this illustration of the lamp, starting with verse 16. 
No one, disciples, after lighting the lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed or puts it, but, but instead puts it on the stand so that those who enter the room may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest or clear. Nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Okay, what's going on? This is what I think he's doing. With verses 16 and 17, I think he's clarifying verse 10 so that his disciples don't draw wrong conclusions from the profundity of what he just said. And remember verse 10. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. In other words, Jesus is saying, yes, God's got these sovereign purposes with His Word. That's true. And, 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 and disciples, even though the Word cannot be savingly heard by numbers of people who will hear it, Yet, don't misunderstand the point. The Word of God, the Gospel of God, Jesus' own preaching, it is the light that has come into the world. And it's supposed to shine forth on the lampstand, not hid under a bed. In other words, even though what we have seen, we want to see what God's revealed to us, that's why I'm speaking the way I am this morning. But nevertheless now, don't miss it. Jesus says, the primary point of the gospel is the good news. The primary purpose is to reveal, not to hide the truth. See, having said that, and this is what I think he's doing with verse 17, the same light that does reveal, you put it on a lampstand, shines up, you can see everything you, so that you don't walk around. Why? At night, stub your toe, right? <clears throat> it's what lights are for. He says that's what the truth of the Word of God is for. So that people can see, their life can be changed, they can operate in life and for eternity, forever. Even though that's true. It is that same light in verse 17 that exposes stuff. It exposes sin. And that causes many people to flee from the light. The Bible of the Word of God. That's what he's referring to. The Bible, the truth, the Scripture, the Gospel is the gloriously most beautiful announcement to sinners. Period. And untold millions of people over the centuries, have experienced it for that, their eternal salvation. Now, you would think, well, 
Doesn't everyone want God's light to shine, to illuminate their lives so that they could see the truth and where they're going and live happily with God in the room of eternity with a light on the lampstand? The answer to that question is no. They don't. Here's the way Jesus Himself explains this. I'm going to turn for a moment to John 3. Jesus explains it this way. In John 3, verses 19 to 20. Now, if you watch football games, you know, you've, oh, I've heard of John 3, 16. It's always something. John 3.16, there it is. Oh, what great news for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son so that whosoever will believe in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Oh, yes, yes. And then, okay, two sentences later, Jesus is still speaking. And He says, And this is the judgment What is the judgment, Jesus? This is the judgment that light has come into the world. And people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest His works should be revealed. Yeah. That's what Jesus is getting at in our text in Luke chapter 8, verse 17, when He says, For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to the light. Because the Word and the truth and the glory of Christ and the holiness of God and all of that, it confronts. And if the heart of us sinners is not the fourth soil, the receptive soil, then it's a heart that loves darkness. And it reacts against the light. Okay, now, that's why in verse 18, Jesus concludes with the warning. Be careful, therefore. Because of all these truths, I'm letting you know, Jesus says, be careful, therefore, how you hear. Because the, the sinful nature that is, with, that is with true believers in good soil still, the inclination of our hearts is to hide from the light. Because it exposes the truth of our sin. Well, one commentator gives a great illustration of what I think is going on with a light on a lampstand, and then verse 17, and it exposes. I quote, 
Years ago, a wealthy Chinese businessman visited England and was fascinated by a powerful microscope and the wonders that it uncovered. So he bought one and he took it back to China. He thoroughly enjoyed using it until one day when he looked at some rice that he was planning to eat for dinner. To his shock, he saw tiny living creatures crawling in it. He didn't know what to do, since rice was a staple of his diet. Finally, in frustration, he smashed his microscope to bits. It had revealed something distasteful to him, so he destroyed the source of its discovery. There is a temptation to do just that with the truth, the way God delivered it in Holy Scripture. The history of the church has constantly shown the temptation to have to help God say what He thinks He wants to say. Because the truth of Scripture is a microscope. It's uncomfortable for many of us and though we want to just smash it. That is the essence of the fall of mankind, isn't it? In the garden. Microscope. God's clear on that. Okay, wow, He's really gracious. Eat of anything you want. One tree. Don't do that. Bugs crawling on the rice. Hey, Eve. Did God really say? Smash the microscope. And we all plunged into sin. That is why Jesus uses the word therefore. ESV says then. means the same thing, but therefore is stronger. In the Greek it's ooh, and he's drawing a conclusion from everything that he has said in all this discourse with the disciples. Therefore, do you get it? Feel it! Be careful. Be careful. How? You hear. The whole point of Isaiah 6, the whole point of Jesus quoting it and being so clear with His own words about the two different works of the Word of God, His unfolding how it works itself out in the examples of different persons with the soil and then His example of the light that comes into the room and shines and has these exposing kind of thing to The entire point, Jesus therefore you got it? My disciples, be vigilant. Judas, how you hear. Now, finally, look at verse 18. Notice the reason in the rest of verse 18 that he gives to his disciples for why we should be so active in our hearing. Quote, take care then how you hear 
See the next word? For, meaning, here's the reason. Because to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Now, what's, what is this referring to? The context, I think. So it's the first one. Be careful how you hear, disciples. Why? Because to the one who has, more will be given. What's that? Well, it's got to be clearly verse 8, for one. He gives a parable, and Jesus cries out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Some do, some don't. So, take care how you hear. Why? Because he who has ears to hear, more understanding will be given. That's what I think it means. And also with verse 15, because of the soil in the context. The good soil are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. What do they have? What do they have? He said they have an honest and a good heart. So, be careful how you hear, because you, 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 ha- you who have and are hearing, who look at that. You have an honest and good heart, and thus more will be given to you. More what? That honest and good heart that, that, that bears fruit. A hundredfold. That's what I think it means. So then he goes on, and from the one who has not, does not have, even what he thinks, that he has will be taken away. Therefore, be careful how you hear. That's the logic. Okay, what's that referred to? I think it refers to those who don't have the new spiritual ear to hear. It, it refers to the first three soils that he just unfolded, right? In each of those first three soils, they're hearing. The Word of God is the seed, and they hear the Word. But in each case, in the end, what they thought they had was taken away. In the first, here's the Word of God. And then what? The devil comes, Jesus says, and snatches the Word. It's taken. from. In the second one, they hear the Word. And yes, i got true spiritual faith. And there's real joy. They feel it, and they're acting that way. And then... The trials of life come in. There's no root in them. And then what they thought they had in their joy is taken away. And then in the third soil, yes, things are going great, awesome, love the Word. And then the riches of life, and worries, and the pleasures of this world. Jesus choked the Word. In the end, they don't come to fruition in persevering faith and bearing fruit. What they thought they had is taken away. So, the logic of verse 18. Here's my paraphrase in the whole context of verse 18. This is what he's saying. Because of these three soils, the reality of that, and that reality is in the world, that reality is a reality for numbers of people throughout the ages because of the three-soil reality. Therefore, Jesus says, take great 
care how you hear. Because when the lamp of the truth shines on your sin, be thankful. Be good soil. Constantly bear the gracious fruit that He gives called repentance. And more will be given to you. Okay. Jesus, being the great preacher that He is, has very practical application for us. Here it is. Verse 18. Therefore, that means here comes His application. And it's to us today. Take care how you hear. In other words, okay, what was he? Yes, the way in which you listen and respond and are affected by the truth of the Word. Do that. Right, a fruit-bearing way. So what's that mean? Well, let me unfold a few things that I hope are helpful. This, in the life of a person who's come to faith in Christ, this listening carefully means taking time to read the Bible and meditating on it, thinking, hearing, letting God mess with you. Over it prayerfully. It's, it's while you're over the Word, praying the great prayer of the psalmist in Psalm 119, verse 18. Okay, I can understand English, or he can understand Hebrew. You can understand English. As I read, open, oh God, my heart's hard today. Open my eyes so that I may behold wonderful things in your Word. Secondly, this having ears to hear, this listening, being careful how you hear, is as you're reading your Bible, Scripture, Genesis, Malachi, Isaiah, Matthew, Ephesians, as you're reading all of it, do not miss it. It is radically Jesus Christ-centered. And know that. Where's Christ in this Listen to how Jesus said this in John 5.39, speaking to his fellow Jews. You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. He's talking about the Old Testament to us. And it is the Old Testament, they, that bear witness about me, the Christ. You remember the road to Emmaus. Jesus opened up the Hebrew Scripture, the Old Testament, and just went starting going through it and explaining to them all the things about His life, that He is the fulfillment of what it's all been saying. Know that in Genesis, and then in Exodus, in Deuteronomy, in 1 Kings, everything is pointing to the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, this hearing 
means listening intently to the preaching of the Word in order to be affected by it, not just taught. In order to be melted by it, corrected by it, reproved by it. In order to repent because of the preaching, to be encouraged and enlightened and thrilled Listening means to apply what you hear to your life. To read the Scriptures without applying the Scriptures to your life is not hearing the Word. To have your head filled with all kinds of Bible stories and tons of Bible facts without it drawing you prayerfully, personally, intimately to Christ, to God the Father, is to not hear. The Word. See, as a seminary graduate, as a preaching, teaching pastor, my wife understands how important me diagramming the Greek sentences of the New Testament and all the other exegetical skills to get it, the understanding of text. How she knows how important that is for my work as a pastor preacher. But she's not fooled into thinking that merely that takes the place of my own hearing, obedience, repentance, personal, ongoing intimacy with the Lord through His Word. Fifth, listening carefully means bearing fruit a hundredfold. It's right there in the text. Which, what does it mean? I I think I'm safe in saying at the core it means this. Because Paul lays it out this way in Romans 8, whom he predestined. He predestined believers to be conformed to the image of his son. So it's that process. Now, okay, let me break that down. This, I think I'm pretty safe in saying that the essence of being conformed to Christ is the way Jesus summarized the whole scripture. It is to love the Lord your God. This is what hearing the word produces, truly if you're truly hearing. To love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the great commandment. And the second is like unto it flowing out of it. To love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then Luke drives 
the point home about how careful hearing and what it means is the application of the Word in verses 19 to 21. When his mother and his brothers came to him, but they were not able to reach him because of the crowd, and he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But Jesus answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the Word of God and do it. I'm going to pray. And as we're singing, if you are a believer, if Christ is your Lord, you have embraced the Gospel in the person of Christ as your Savior, just freely as He offers it then you're free to partake of the cup and the bread. And So as we're singing, it'll be passed out, the bread and the cup, and we're going to hold it, and we will pray over and partake of that together. Okay. Father, oh, we're desperate people to have you not even let us go now. Please be working deeply upon our hearing our hearts, our soul, and the special things you're doing in your unique way with each person. Oh, and may the manifestation of your glorious goodness to us so show forth itself as we will be partaking of the body and the blood of Christ.